0: You can contact the program by calling 866-41-ABIDE or by visiting us on the web at wvr.org. And now, without further delay, here's your host, Jim Wood. Well, if you would please open your Bibles to John chapter 6. John chapter 6, verses 1 through 15. This is God's Word. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, and, had, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous signs he had performed on the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover feast was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, Eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and the men sat down, about 5,000 of them. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the miraculous sign that Jesus did, they began to say, surely this is the prophet, who is to come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. Well, if you've been here any length of time at all, you know that this story, this miracle that Jesus did is the only one of Jesus' miracles that is in all four Gospels. We talk about that as we come to it, and whenever we're studying the Gospels, we come to it, because it's in all four Gospels. You also hopefully know that the account here in John is the basis of the painting that is behind me. That is a representation of Andrew, the Apostle, down on one knee, pointing that little boy who had the loaves and fish to Jesus. The other Gospels don't mention who it was. But John tells us it was Andrew. That's one of the reasons why this is St. Andrew's School. This is St. Andrew's Chapel. Because... The purpose of our ministry here is to point people, especially children, to Jesus and teach them to give everything they have to him. The main point today is give Jesus everything and watch him work miracles. There are other points in this passage. But that's the point that I want you to really latch on to. Because the little boy didn't offer Jesus maybe, you know, how about, I've? it's not very much. I, they were small. It says they were small. Small loaves, small fish. And the little boy, that was his lunch. But if Jesus wants it, I guess I could give him... Three of the loaves and just keep two for myself and, and and I could give him maybe one of the fish. That would be generous. That's giving him over half of what I've got. I, 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 I think that would be fair. It's not what he did. He gave Jesus everything. That's what we're called to do. Not just with lunch, with life. So, all four Gospels tell this story, because it's that important. Luke chapter 9, Mark chapter 6, Matthew chapter 14, all four, and different ones have different details, and we're going to mention one of those as we go through. What was the problem here? What was the presenting problem? Well, the problem is you've got a huge crowd, and you find from the other Gospels they'd been there for a while listening to Jesus. But now at this point, Jesus has said, we need to feed them. If they they go home, it says he had compassion on them. If they head for home, after all the time they've been here with nothing to eat, some of them are going to collapse on the way. Americans can't identify with that very well, because most of us could skip a meal and be better for it. But that's not the case in most of the world throughout most of history. And so Jesus was legitimately concerned about the need that he was facing. But the problem is, there was, there was no mall nearby. There was no restaurant nearby. They didn't even have Chick-fil-A. I mean, there was, there was just nothing, nothing that these people could go to. And so Jesus says, where are we going to buy food for all these folks? Now, Jesus asked that not because he was short on information, short on ideas, not because he was deciding what to do. It says here, Jesus already had in mind what he was going to do. But he asked the question in order to test them. Jesus wasn't asking this in order to fail them. A good test is designed to teach you. It reveals what you do know, and it shows you what you need to learn. Okay? And so a test from a good teacher is not punishment. It shows you what you do know, and it shows you what you need to learn. That's why Jesus was testing them. He was teaching them through this experience. And so Philip, when he asked him, you know, where where are we going to buy the food? Philip said, eight months' wages would at best give everybody one bite In other words, Jesus, the idea of buying these folks food, it's going to be too expensive and there still won't be enough to really make a difference. Have you ever had a problem in your life that felt like that? I mean, it felt like if you did something really huge to try and address the problem, it still wouldn't make a difference. Man, I've faced a bunch of things like that. How are we going to address this? What are we going to do? There's not, if, if, we, if we pool our resources and try and do this, it's still not going to make a difference. It's like trying to stop the tide from rising by getting a bucket. You know, it's just the problem's too big. The problem's too big. That was the kind of problem they were facing here. They had this huge crowd, and that's why the disciples were saying, send them away. Just send them away. Well, if you check the other gospel accounts in Mark 6, you see that Jesus asked them, well, what food do you have? What do you have? And Andrew responded by saying, there's there's a little boy here with five small loaves, two small fish. But, you know, I mean... What is that among so many? He answered Jesus' question, the question that's asked in Mark 6. He answered his question, but his answer was, okay, here's the data, and as you can see from this chart, it's not going to solve the problem. That's good to know that. Why is it good to know that? So that when the problem is solved by Jesus, you realize this is a miracle. This is an absolute miracle. I've seen God work so many miracles. I mean, just astounding answers to prayer. God's provision in ways that no person could have dreamed up. But God did. Jesus said, have the people sit down. And in the other Gospels, it says in groups of 50 or 100. Now, why in groups of 50 or 100? So that, again, they can count. Okay? It's important. Jesus wants them to understand the scope of the problem. There were about 5,000 men plus women and children. And Jesus says, have them sit down in groups of 50 or 100. And the one thing they had plenty of besides people was grass. It says there was plenty of grass. So they sat down on the ground, and that, on their part, was the act of obedience that opened the door for what Jesus was going to do. We've said this over and over, and I'm going to keep saying it over and over as long as I'm allowed to preach. God works his miracles in the context of obedience. God works his miracles in the context of obedience. He always tells people to do something. Stretch out your hand. Take up your mat and go home. Look at me. Go wash this in the pool. He always gives people some kind of directive. Go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were healed. Over and over and over and over, Jesus gives commands. And as people obey, they see the power of God. God hasn't changed that. Have the people sit down in groups of 50 or 100. I just wonder if there were some guys out there in the crowd who didn't sit. Well, I mean, if it was this crowd, would there be some non-compliant people? Some folks who just don't want to, you know, I don't see why we have to sit. I mean, I know there's plenty of grass, but, you know, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just not inclined to sit on the ground. Well, then you're not going to get lunch. You're told to Sit down. Sit down. Why? I don't see why. I mean, what's going to happen? Obey. Obey. Don't eat the fruit of that tree. For in the day you eat of it, you will surely die. That looks good to me. That's how we got in this mess. Do you understand the reason that the world is in trouble, that there's sickness and suffering and sorrow... Death is because people thought they didn't have to obey God. That's why we're in trouble. Obey God. Obey Him. Do what He says. How do I know what He says? Read the Word. Study His Word. Ask Him to show. I don't understand what that means. The author is right there. Ask Ask him to show you what you need to know. So, people are told to sit down. And Jesus gave thanks for the food. He Gave thanks. Is that how you'd respond if you had five small loaves and two small fish and 5,000 men plus women and children that you're supposed to try and make that work for? You know, I just want to thank you for this wonderful bounty. No, let me modify that. I just want to thank you that I have something. Are you thankful for what you have? Do you give thanks? Or are you thinking about what you don't have? My temptation is I'm always thinking about what I don't have instead of appreciating what I do have. That's just the way that my heart is bent. It's called a Sin. Be thankful for what you do have. Years ago, I baptized a fellow who had lost one leg and his eyesight to diabetes. Because he didn't behave himself and do what he's supposed to do when he got diabetes. And you know what? When I went to baptize him, he said, Jim, I... I bet I'm the first one-legged blind man you've ever baptized. I said, well, I believe you're right. Now, did he complain about only having one leg and no eyesight? No. He's glad he still had one leg. Made it easier to get around. <laughs> That's the truth. Are you thankful for what you have? He was glad he could hear. Couldn't see anything, but it was nice to be able to hear. Are you thankful for what you've got? Well, I wish I had this. Well, you don't. What have you got? What do you have? That's what Jesus asked the disciples in Mark 6. What what do you have? What do you have? Andrew says, well, all we've got is this little boy's lunch. It's Five small loaves, two small fish. What's that? What does that amount to?" Jesus says, well, I'll show you. And Jesus gave thanks. Jesus gave thanks for what he had. And then he started distributing it. <laughs> and when he did, it multiplied. And when it multiplied, everybody got enough to eat. How that work? I don't know. I do know in the Old Testament, there was a lady who had a, a little thing of oil, <laughs> little pitcher of oil. It's all she had. But God multiplied it. The prophet told her, go get empty vessels from your neighbors. Not a few, get a lot. And they were brought into the house and she began pouring and it filled up the first empty vessel. Filled up the second one, and filled up the third one, and the fourth one, and the tenth one, and the twentieth one. It filled up all these Coming out of this one thing, how'd she do that? She didn't do that. God did that. And God did it in proportion to her obedience. When the last vessel that she had was filled up, that was the end of the oil. I wonder what would have happened if she'd gotten ten more vessels. She would have had more oil. Obey. That's the context where God works his miracles. You understand? So, everybody ate and had plenty. It says they ate until they were satisfied. They ate until they were satisfied. And then they didn't keep eating. Just because they had more. Because they did have more. Jesus told his disciples to go around and collect up the leftovers. And how many of his disciples did he send around to do that? Twelve. So how many baskets full did they get? Twelve. But the miracle is, everybody would already had enough, and there were twelve baskets full of fragments of bread after everybody had had enough. They started out with five small loaves, they fed 5,000 men plus women and children, and they had 12 baskets full of fragments left over after everybody had had plenty. You know what happens if you give everything to God? You end up with more than you had. When you give everything to God, you end up with more than you had. Now, I must say, it, if I were one of the disciples, I would have been perplexed as to why Jesus wanted us to gather the leftovers. I don't know about you, but not everybody's enthused about leftovers. It's not a lot of people's. I mean, it depends on what the leftover is. If it's leftover ice cream, we're excited. But if you could take a little boy's lunch and multiply it like that, why would you care about leftovers? You know, let's just see another miracle. Next time we're hungry, you know, we'll give you a sardine and watch what you can do. Okay? But I want you to understand something. Jesus said the reason that they were to gather up those fragments was so that nothing was wasted. Let nothing be wasted. Gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. And this is really... Typical of Jesus. You may look at your life and think, I don't see why God could do something with this. If you yield yourself to the Lord fully, nothing is wasted. Nothing is wasted. He will take bad things that happen to us, mistakes that we've made, craziness in the world around us and use it for our good and his glory. Nothing is wasted. God will take the difficult things you've been through and make something beautiful and use your life to impact other people's lives. God is able to do that. He can make something beautiful out of that which has been broken. Please realize Jesus isn't going to waste your life if you give it to him. So, the very end of the passage, Jesus sent the disciples to the other side of the lake. We'll look at what happened there next time. But after the people saw the miraculous sign that Jesus did, They began to say, surely this is the prophet who's come into the world. And Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. Jesus wasn't looking for people to make him king. Jesus is the king. And the kind of king they wanted was one who would do what they wanted, not one to whom they would gladly submit. So Jesus didn't go along with their plan. He wasn't flattered by it. He went away to the top of the mountain to be alone with the Father. You and I have a king who conquered death for us, who paid the price of our salvation, and he ever lives make intercession for us he says to you and to me this day take everything you have give it to Jesus and then watch him work miracles folks it's a great privilege for me to be able to come each evening and bring God's Word on these stations I am so thankful that I have the opportunity to do that But if you listen regularly, you know that my life day-to-day is involved in trying to minister to kids who come from very difficult situations. I want to ask you to please help us. Contact us at wvr.org and find out how you can be part of the miracle, wvr.org. Please help us help these children. You've been listening to Abiding in Christ.